Howdy, everybody. Man, yeehaw. Welcome to the, I say welcome, but it's back again to the Won't Shut Up and Skate podcast focused on Texas skateboarding history, the Texas scene, and skaters, and all the cool, cool stuff going on, Carjack. And even the not cool stuff. Yeah, that too. We get nerdy sometimes. I don't know. My name is Chip Queso. I'm joined by Carrie Jackson, Carjack. Hello. How you doing? Doing well. We're doing good. And uh, one of the, as we start here, this is episode five. We have made it through actually our sixth episode, if you count zero. And this is our fifth episode. Previously, we spoke to Kenny Harrison and Maggie. And that was rad. We'll mention that here in a minute. Um, but uh, our venture in podcasting is doing pretty good so far, Carjack. It's coming along. I can't believe it myself. Well, one of the things is we kept telling you in the first few episodes we're going to get to the 80s, and we haven't done that yet. So we're still kind of stuck in the 70s because, once again... Do you remember that Village People song, Are You Ready for the 80s? I feel like that's what we're doing to everybody right now. Are you ready for the 80s? No, I don't remember that song, but I'm sure that John will... John, mark the tape. We'll get that. John Sinier. It's a banger for sure. It's the Village People. Come on, man. We're joined here with John Miller, of course, our illustrious producer from Eureka Street. And uh, we're here, like I said, in episode five. Uh, the last hour or so could have been its own podcast with the conversations, but we finally hit record. So here we go. Yeah, you're, you know. you're welcome for not being subjected to that. <laughs> We've had two interviews in the book. The last one again was Kenny and uh, Maggie, and we Harrison. found out Harrison, Harrison, Kenny from Corpus Christi, one is sticking in that south coastal area. We'll start to kind of move around the coast, Houston. We've got some other stuff, San Antonio. We're going to talk about today, uh, but we found out some corrected news that after that podcast, and they traveled for the worlds. In North Carolina, I believe it was. Well, the one they just got the back champ- from yeah, was in San Diego. San Diego. Yeah. Oh, okay. In San Diego. And uh, Maggie has third in that competition. I think that's right. In her division. So big props and congrats to her. Jeff Meeks, Mr. Wiggler, also with a third place bronze trophy. And uh, that boy fast. That boy fast. That boy He's wiggly. Good. And Lou Statman. I don't know. You might have to text him. I'm not sure how Lou did. Lou was there. He what? He qualified for Rome. He, he qualified, qualified for Rome. Rome. So John, real quick, what? That's that's any other quick information that? Congrats to Lou. Like a, a sixth place. Sixth place, but he qualified. He's going to Rome. He's going to skate with them Romans. That's are, cool. Are they skating seven hills there? Uh, how often do you think about? I'm not sure the reference. Part. That's a. Deep cut Rome reference. Okay. <laughs> Deep cuts with Carjack. Two people might have gotten that joke. Yeah, right. So uh, You're welcome. <laughs> so as we're back into an episode without an interview, we've done two so far, three if you count Maggie in that last episode four. I'm spending a lot of time. Trust us, we're going to get there. There's a lot of big names that I've been reaching out to and hoping to talk to. Carjack didn't want me to go through any lists, so I won't. Gumby, Wheelis, Litzman, Singer, Bauer, Boog. Anyway, those guys are all uh, on the list, plus everybody else that we've talked to. Pretty exciting stuff. Before we get to some of that fun stuff, one of the things that might start to make this podcast better, hopefully we're getting better, Carjack and I don't talk as much, and so most of our conversations end up happening. We're not pre-planning this, except for the little outline I have. So, uh, 
We have you, no idea what's about to happen. Except for you're going to get an education on why to or not to go to Marfa, where you recently went to, Carjack. Oh, God, this. So tell the people about Marfa or how they may even know about Marfa because of one art installation. So are you familiar, Chip, with an art installation out in West Texas called Prada Marfa? It looks like a small boutique storefront for a Prada shoe store that should be on Rodeo Drive in Beverly Hills. But it's on a lonely stretch of US 90. And they call it Prada Marfa, but it's 50 miles outside of Marfa, and actually in Valentine, Texas. And like a lot of art, it's uh, very subjective. It's up to the viewer to decide what it's about. But there's no real way to interact with this art installation except pull over on the side of the road, look at it, and then the way I would guess 99% of people who go there interact with it. Selfie. They take a selfie and post it on social selfie. media to show that they were there. We were in Marfa. No, you actually drove 50 miles outside of Marfa to take that selfie. I hope it's good. Right. And so basically it's a place to take a selfie for social media that you it's remote. You have to go to some trouble to get there. You probably spent more money than it was worth. Which means you qualify it. for the product club where you overspent for something just to say that you have it. Right. So <laughs> when I first heard of this thing, I you know, the first time I saw it 10 years ago on somebody taking a photo, I was like, "Oh, it's Kind of cool to put that out in the middle of nowhere. But then once I realized where it was, I'm like, I'm not driving another 50 miles from Marfa just to go take a photo in front of a place. But then I realized it's the perfect metaphor for Marfa, the town. Hmm. But because Marfa, the town, it turns out, is basically just a selfie Instagram photo opportunity for you to drive out to the middle of nowhere, spend way too much money doing so, be around a bunch of damn hipsters from the West Coast in Austin, that are dressed up as cowboys playing, playing cosplay. Um, and it's not even the cool cowboys. It's the damn flat brim hipster cowboys. Yeah. The, and the, and they're women with the flat brims and yes. the white boots <clears throat> and the whole flowy Southern, whatever. It's, style. it's the city, witch, but out on the ranch, city, witch, city, and, witch, Marfa. <laughs> and so it's, that's what Marfa is. It's an, it's an Instagram opportunity for, and and while you're there, you're going to pay $8 for a coffee and $17 for a cocktail. And 90% of the town is closed because fuck you, that's why. So it qualifies for pretentiousness. Get off my lawn. It, it embodies it sets, it, the tone. It, 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 it sets the baseline for pretentiousness. So everybody who uh, gets a, a note from their partner, which we all have, hey, let's go to Marvel. Marvel's cool, Marvel's cool, and let's go. In a in tying this into a knot, how would you describe the rest of that experience other than the festival you went to? But I mean, it's and I don't want to trash it. Um, it is a Texas city, so yeehaw. Yeah, and you know, to be fair to the region, it's beautiful out there, and I had a great time in Alpine and in Fort Davis, and I've had a good time in Marfa before, but um, just. Go when there's nothing happening there, which is the other 51 weeks of the year, usually. Um, it's a nice place to stop on your way to Big Bend. But Big Bend National Park is way cooler than that town. Um, and don't skip out on a really good skateboard weekend to do so. So what did you skip out on, Carjack? Let them know. 
Because that mean, leads me into me. I skipped out on this stupid skateboard session that, I don't know, some nerds from around the world came into town for. Stupid fest. Oh, that's right. So we mentioned it a few times, and Carjack mentioned it, and why is that important to Texas? Because it's a Texas thing. The super quick brief history is there's a group of us called Never Was, and it's a bunch of old scratch grinders and some rippers and anyway as opposed to has-beens has-beens you can't be and, a has-been if you never were and uh, a guy named jason Rin and i and some other people started our uh old guys cruise gray hairs started doing some little north austin ditch tours where we spend a day in north austin do one in south austin etc and that sounded like a good reason for this never was group which is from all over the world to say hey let's come to austin and skate ditches so that's what's happened and this was stupid fest number four and it wasn't it's supposed fantastic. to be an Austin thing every time. They wanted to yeah. try to do the second one somewhere else, and everybody voted against it and said, no, we want to go back to Austin. Because Austin has a lot of ditches. It's a, one of the better times of the year. It just starts to get almost cool, and um, there's a plethora. So uh, to make you a little jealous, I thought i just kind of run you quick through on this. So it's... Uh, 18 of us started in San Antonio, and then those numbers picked up at all the spots we hit in Austin. It was four days of skating. My legs are dead. As you know, that's way more than we normally uh, skate. But I thought it was funny because uh, I'm going to list here. It almost sounds like I'm either play calling or it's like a military thing. But the ditches that I skated uh, were uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday. Shook Butter, Sonic, Mueller, Burlington, Candyland, Stilmo, Slappy Elementary, Zombie Baby, Lizard, Scorpion, House Turkey Reef. For those of you <laughs> listening, those are the names of skateboard spots, mostly ditches in San Antonio and Austin. Um, if you knew what those meant that Chip just said, then you have my sympathy. If you didn't know... Just know that you're one of the normals. It's okay. <laughs> one of you're, the normals. You're, you're, you're a functioning human being. If you knew what those were, seek help. There you go. So Google it maybe. Uh, but uh, Shook Ditch in San Antonio, amazing, awesome place. Butter Ditch in San Antonio, which it gets its name because it's buttery smooth and it starts from this huge open space and narrows down. All the walls are um, uh, tapering in different sizes. It's a really cool ditch. And then Sonic Ditch. And then we went to Mueller, which is uh, the, the pump track, basically, here in Austin. Burlington Ditch, which is an old school. Behind the Burlington Coat Burlington Factory. Burlington Coat Factory. Candyland, which is the DIY uh-huh. under the old um, abandoned shopping center in northeast Austin. And then we, Saturday, had a, a slappy session, which was about 80 people at uh, Stelmo. So, yeah, we got 80 old dudes doing slappies on this really long yellow curb. There's actually three curbs. On that one spot. sad, lonely curb in <laughs> a school that? parking lot. They get hit once a year like a hooker on 6th Street. Um, and then we went to Zombie Baby, which is a big ditch uh, behind an apartment complex in South Austin. Lizard DIY, which we'll talk about more in a minute. Uh, Scorpion Ditch which is becoming popular. And then we ended up Sunday with no legs, barely, house. And then I tried to get people to go to Turkey and Reef. I just added those on. We didn't go. But Turkey Bowl and Reef are South Austin places. So that was Stupid Fest. A lot of freaking rad ditches and definitely some rippers and a bunch of scratch grinders. 
Yeah. It's good stuff. So you missed that car, Jack. It sounded like it was pretty damn cool. I'm, the ones that I've been to in the past were a lot of fun. It has basically become my favorite skate weekend event of the year because the expectations are low and the, the fun factor is really high and everybody's got positive energy and it's just good to see everybody from these different scenes from different cities all over the place. And it, it's a blast. Yeah. The furthest traveler was from Canada. This Jeff year. Welch? This yeah, year. this year. Yeah, We've this had year. People coming from, over from the continent before. Yeah, from Netherlands last year. Renus, shout out to him. Uh, but uh, so that was fun. And then uh, before we get into some of the meat of the historical part, we have figured out, Carjack, that man, people are super stoked. It's we're pretty proud of the compliments and words we're getting on the podcast, and everybody is like, keep going, this, that, and the other, and this event and that event, and people are sending us messages, and I've got some more stuff I'll talk about here in a minute that involves that, but people are super freaking stoked, so it seems pertinent that we have a nice mix of our historical perspectives and some uh, uh, 101 in history, if you will, and then mix that in with a lot of the cool stuff that's going on, and again, we're in Austin, we are mostly focused around the stuff around us, but people are starting to send us some stuff from all over the place, and I'll mention a few things that are happening around, and um, it's a good thing, So, but I missed... Just yesterday, as we tend to talk about things that happened afterwards, but that's what it is. Yesterday, I missed the premiere of something that was kind of cool. Do you mean the video premiere? Yeah, yeah, That yeah. was Friday. That wasn't yesterday. That was Friday night. Oh, sorry, Friday. Um, yeah, that, this is Sunday, by the way. That was the video premiere of Camp Ramp from Mike Aho, Michael Sieben, and Volcom Productions, uh, which was a... Fairly short film. It's probably 30 minutes or so, mm -hmm. 40 minutes. Um, but it was an actual little feature that they made with an actual storyline, which is a little convoluted, but it was it was entertaining. You've seen the trailer is out. Uh, well, by this time, you'll have already probably gotten to see it. But it was pretty cool. And that's Mike Sieben and Volcom. And uh, um, there's uh, they did it at Chris Gentry's uh, right, pro, pro Riders Ranch. Shout out to Chris Gentry. Pro Riders Ranch there in Smithville, Texas. Among other places. They Among also places. shot it at No Comply Skate Shop. True. And some of the spots, most of it was at Gentry's place. Some of it was at a skate camp out in California. Right. Um, but it looked great. It was really well shot. Um, you'll laugh. You'll cry. You'll ask for your money back. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> and we saw uh, and that kind of transitions into just updated stuff quick stuff that uh yesterday uh you mentioned no compliance you mentioned mike sieben who we saw yesterday both talked to him thanks and also um the 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 cool kids at no compliance skate shop uh talked to some of those folks yesterday and they threw on a super rad event at the ever-growing popular that we've mentioned in probably every episode lizard DIY ditch in South Austin, and that was a fantastic. That was the bum rush the spot. Bum rush that. the spot, and they did money and prizes for cash on the long slappy curb in the back, and then on four different obstacles, including a big bank wall that they mm -hmm. just recently poured. Mm -hmm. This place is amazing. If you haven't had a chance to check it out, it's one of the cool DIY spots, and Andy and his crew are really working very hard to get it on the map for city of Austin and make this a legit place. They got sponsorships through no compliant through those guys. Yeti is floating them some yeah. uh, cooler and some buckets. Uh, Cause they've been getting into the skateboard game and helping clean up and 
Drink you know, Weird stuff. was Drink out Weird there. Drink Weird was out there. And Converse Shoes, Thrasher Magazine. It and was- our good friend Ben Rayburn was out there. Ben Rayburn was there. That was nice to see him. I got to see him and talk to him for a little bit. He was he's stoked. He's he's been listening to the episodes and he's super stoked. He was out there giving away metal boards. His metal, I think he's got two different boards out so far with metal two different graphics that which is weird because they look to me like they were made out of wood they are made out of wood but they're called metal metal. boards but ben rayburn he was out there above my pay grade yeah and there's a lot of cool stuff all the gavins we keep talking about gavin it must be a texas thing i have no idea but all the gavins were in the house actually i don't think gavin may was there gavin austin yeah i saw gavin austin uh gavin um i always forget his last name uh does the Vert tricks, cool laid back airs. Gavin and Marissa Gavin? Gavin and Marissa Gavin. Hartman. Hartman. Gavin Hartman. Sorry, Gavin. You know I know who you are. And then I also. And I always wanted to call him Gavin from Round Rock because that's where I met him, was at the Round Rock Park, but I think he's more like Cedar Park. He know. was doing a Williamson lot. Williamson County. He was doing, he did this uh, slow moving tweak Smith grind on one of the. Uh, uh, the quarter pipes there that was very cool, especially with his sock game going on. Did you see off. his layback air? His layback air as Where well. Where he did almost the full Todd twist, yeah, bringing the roll around. That's what makes that trick legit. Yeah, uh, he's, got, he's got style. And then there's a young Gavin, young buck from Houston, Texas that was out there. I don't know what his last name is. I was talking to his dad. He was stoked. He just uh, got hooked into the podcast and he brought his kid out there. And you know who else we saw out there? One of our fine bro sponsors, Mr. Mike Money. I did see Mike, Mike Money. Money was out there. And you know what was cool? Give a shout out to Mike Money. He gave me a couple stickers and he was giving some love and uh, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, he uh, was sporting. He was from his waist down, his khaki pants and his slip on vans, skateboarder, full on skateboarder. But waist up, he was, was kind of kind of Mike, kind of Mike Money bike trail shirt it's like that same material they use for the flitching fishing shirts that have the flap in the back yeah, it was so the it can be breathable snap, but it was a snap snap, snap. Yeah. uh and then he had a hat on that kind of made me feel like he bought it at the pro shop at some mountain bike place Probably. something like that and it looks good he looks good i'm heckling those it a little bit shirts are but, really you know. good they're they're cool they look like regular pearl snaps but they're made out of the nylon and and moisture wicking material they're awesome. The only reason I don't own several of them is they're like 80 or 90 bucks each. Well, that's true. And also, it's pretty cool that a lot of our friends, you know, we heckle and jest with Mike Money a little bit. He's got a fucked up knee and he doesn't skate much. But a lot of our friends who want to keep that aggression have gotten into mountain biking. Uh, Mike Kelly, uh, Justin McGuffin, and of course, you know, him. Yeah. And I can... And- it does look fun. And Chappie, my buddy Chappie. I, and I can respect it as long as they stick with two wheels and don't go down to well, one. Well, that goes into something because... I'm not a fan of one wheel, Chip. I don't know about that. You know, Greg Stubbs might have something to say about that because the, he, he apparently Stubbs got one recently and posted. and I will argue with him. Well, he also favors Oklahoma. Yeah. And we know See, what, ta- we know what time it is. What time is it? It is currently... 10 10 a.m. on Sunday, and OU still sucks. Shout out to, but uh, that Texan, he loves Oklahoma. He says that. But anyway, we won't get into that That's, whole thing. Those are, that is a phrase that should not exist. <laughs> that Texan loves Oklahoma. What the hell, man? Are you trying to send me off the edge? You're trying to send him off the edge. Okay, that kind of diverted a little bit. Sorry about the levels there, John. Tangent with Carjack. Uh, but I thought that was kind of funny to lead him also, into that. Also, one wheels are not skateboards. 
I said it. I meant it. Yeah, some love out. There's been a couple of... Uh, I sent him a couple of dudes that were previously skaters, but now on segways, making ramps and doing segway... Would I mean, call technically, a that's not a, a nose grind That's or a technically nose slide? not a segway. That's a different thing. Oh, that's right. It's not a segway. It's a one wheel. It's a one wheel. Yes. It's a wheel. So props to sort roller of. skates with, with eight wheels and then tire. skateboards with it's four wheels and bikes with two wheels. We're all good with those wheels. But when you go from two to one... I mean... Uh, unicycles? Would you give props to unicycles, or is it like if you go to one wheel, give you're done? Props to unicycles? I'm just saying, compared to skateboards, when you're talking I, wheels, I aim for them with my truck when I see them on the streets. <laughs> if you're riding a unicycle and you're not on a tightrope and juggling torches, juggling are you torches. really unicycling? Maybe the well, maybe that unicycle's leaning up against a tree and he's doing one of those cables yeah. across if the river. If you're in the circus, then maybe. You've got an excuse. Otherwise, a unicycle is just a way of saying, look at me, look at me, look at me. You shouldn't have made me look at you, dude, because you don't want my full attention. So Carjack does it like that. And what are the, the guys across the, the rope across the river that balance the balance rope thing? The slack line? Slack line. So here's the thing. I saw a post the other day of a slack line on a, a little bit smaller than a wakeboard. So it looks like a skateboard with a little slack line. And the guy's like, come check this out. This is the coolest new balance thing. It's like a skateboard, but it's like a... And I was like, I need to send this to Carjack. No, no, you don't. Like... You don't need to set me off on more of this. There's already enough things in this world that I despise, and I, I, I don't like that about myself. But it's a thing, and I don't need to add to that list. So don't add to that list. I mean, if you're on a slack line and you're not hacky sacking, if you're not hacky slacking, <laughs> hacky slack. are, you, are, are you really even at Pease Park? Are you even really Eorying? Where's, at- where's the drum circle? I don't know, but yeah. <laughs> If there's a slack line and one wheels are right in with that crew. Okay, so one wheels. Uh, if you if you don't have a drum in your hand on the way to the drum circle, why are you on the one wheel, man? I mean, <laughs> I guess props to the guy who an invented the one wheel because he figured out a way to get kook has been skateboarders to spend two thousand dollars on a stupid setup. But didn't you see that you me, have to plug in? You sent me an article where there was a bunch of them recalled. Did I? Yes, there was there was some kind of thing where a bunch of so what was happening is the the mechanism that dete- tells you that you're almost out to run out of power didn't work, so a bunch of dudes were full on oh, on a one wheel and then just snowplowed and launched them. I guess I don't. God, I want to see that field. Let's video. see some video. Okay, yeah. big tangent with Carjack and big tangent is we're already twenty minutes plus into this. Holy cow! Good stuff. Episode five. You're won't... welcome for the hate on that one, by the way. Hopefully, I've, I've got plenty more for those dudes. Hopefully, we also make you laugh because this is funny shit. At least we are. John's rolling over here, taking photos of us. Welcome. Why to do you episode... have to be so mean? Mm. They're, they're, because we've already said welcome. This there's is... a standard we play to around these parts. <laughs> oh boy. This is episode five. Uh, big shout out. I'm not saying there's uh, a right and wrong way to do it, uh, but some people are doing it wrong. All right. Well, let's see if we can convert this right. All right. Episode five. Thank you again, as always, to Jeff Newton. Won't shut up and skate. Wouldn't be anything without shut up and skate. The big boys for our music. Eureka Street Creative for Mr. John Miller over there and his about to be permitted finally after six episodes uh, 
<laughs> skate gym. Uh, shout out to Brett Styles, our artist. If you need anything graphically or anything art-wise, he is rad. We'll get you in contact with him. Brett Styles saw him yesterday talking about some of the new designs that you don't know about that are coming up and all that good stuff. So much love to him. Uh, yes, we do have a way that you can help us, and we'd love you to help us. Send us a few bones. If you like what we're doing, help us kind of use some of the bones to buy some coffee, buy a six-pack, buy some stickers, help us grow. We need some... We What are those things that we need? We need pop filters. We need Xanax we have to buy, is what we need, Chip. We need, we need some, Xanax. Yeah. We need somebody to sponsor our pop filters so we don't pop on our microphones. So... We appreciate all the thanks and the love, but if you do want to help us out, we do have a Venmo. That's at Won't Shut Up and Skate. Uh, and we also have uh, Facebook. And don't forget the Facebook Texas Won't Shut Up and Skate Texas Archives page, which is a compendium of, <laughs> uh, word, a compendium of photos and a bunch of cool stuff that's starting to gather from all over uh Texas and all the people who are pulling out their old shoebox photos and all that. Um, and we also have a Gmail, won't shut up at skate at gmail.com. And now, as of last week, finally, thank you, John Miller. We are on all podcast formats. Not just Spotify, not just Podbean, but we're also on Apple, which is one of the big ones, Amazon and Google and all that stuff. So big thanks and thank you for all of those who are supporting. We'll talk about that a little bit more. I want to give this big love. What's when you seeking? Oh, Alexa. Also, you can ask Alexa to listen to our podcast. I guess that's cool. Sorry if we just tripped that for you by saying that name several times. (laughs) Alexa, play Yacht Rock. Why would you do that to our listeners? My girlfriend Corey does that all the time, and I'm like, you're going to destroy the dog's ears. <laughs> well played, Corey. Yeah. So, this episode is brought to you by Roger Skateboards. All right. Thank you, Mikey Sieben. Roger Skateboards. Uh, also, we've got four pro sponsors. We're starting to get in some love. So, this episode is brought to you by Roger Skateboards. It is brought to you by Southside Skate Shop and Skate Park down in Houston, Texas. Thank you, Big O. Big O, been doing it for a long time. He'll actually be on an interview upcoming here as we move along and things. But, big shout out to Southside. They've got a Gromlins 2 event that is upcoming, I think, in December. Or so, he's going to be giving some um, posts about that. So, check him. He's always doing some cool shoe drop videos and he has also got some events as well as the red bull skate event that just happened in galveston the second annual one check that out because that was rad so south side on the seawall on the seawall the seawall event that was cool last year yeah well this year they did it they also had like a 30 foot slider bar and they had the ramps up against the seawall barrier and all that kind of stuff rad. it was super rad so rad. south side and the footage red bull and all those guys uh, also new sponsor, the Hanger Skate Shop in Katy, Texas. Tom Buchanan, I guess you Woo, went to school with him. Katie, I went to, well, we went to different high schools together, if that makes sense. But you sense. knew this guy, Tom Yeah, Buchanan. yeah, yeah. We both were in Katy, uh, Brett Roper and, and I and Brian Nelson and several of us were at Maid Creek High School and then over at uh, Taylor was Brian Pennington and then over at Katy High School was Chris Gentry, Tom uh, my buddy John McAllister. There's a whole West Side crew out right. there. But that was the three high schools in the Katy District back then. Do you know how many school district, how many high schools are in Katy District now? I don't have that. 11. 11. That's not even funny. 
it used to be a little co- small country town people who are from other places, but now it's a big metropolis almost. That was a reference for Brett Roper, it's by the way. It's part of Houston, almost. That was a negative land reference? 11. 11. Um, anyway. All right, so the Hangar Skate Shop, uh, he opened recently in Katie Mills Mall. He's got a little mini ramp. He's about he's to got do a mini a, ramp he's in the do shop. A little Halloween thing. Uh, he's, is he uh, in Katie Mills Mall, or, Katie or is he Mills, in one of the in, shopping centers nearby? I need to clarify okay. that from him. He's right around there. Yeah. You can open up the back of the door with and let the air in for the mini ramp right there, and then he's got a nice curb that he's got all slappy yeah, up looks, and all that stuff. It looks like a good little setup he's got going there. Doing some good things. Uh, he's been posting a lot of the heroin stuff with the heroin boards, which became popular now, but yep. they're not a sponsor. We're not going to talk about them as much, but we like them. That's okay. Cool. But he's selling them and he's rad and so check that out if you're in so houston's covered so far south side in the hangar and all that kind of stuff and speaking of houston our new uh other sponsor bringing this episode to us and further episodes in the future lee leal with embassy skateboards embassy. welcome aboard embassy skateboards uh keeping the texas nar culture going of course uh johnny gibson Craig, Todd Prince. Yeah, keeping Todd Prince in t-shirts since, what was it, 2000 and Yeah, we got the A. Brooks, and then, of course, uh, Nathan Midget, and he's got like a bunch of new, and his, Colin Graham, one of the top pros that we're going to see coming up at Colin the Banger kills the Hanger, it. kills it. Um, uh, Jaime Mateo, and I'm probably forgetting, but there's a lot more names. They're super rad, and so we'd like to welcome aboard embassy so again bringing this episode to you roger skateboard south side skate park and shop the hangar and embassy skateboards thank you for sponsoring and keeping texas history and texas skate culture alive so man that's already a little bit of time in i don't know why my clock just stopped but something happened i must have i got mine going so do you i think we did something like that i don't know but um i was trying to get that going so um as we move on, another couple of little shout-outs. I just thought this was kind of funny. If you guys aren't checking these out, you should check them out because there's some funny shit going on in the internet, and there's starting to be some funny shit going on around uh, the skateboard world. And on uh, the IG, El Pinche Gringo. El Pinche Gringo, he posts some funny stuff. I repost that all the time. But, uh, Carjack, have you seen the Skate Wives? Oh, yes, I've skate seen Skate Wives. That page is hilarious. The other the other day, she posted something. It's funny. She follows She's her husband around. She's on point, too. She's she, never wrong. She posted something about how skateboard tricks are weird. The names. The names are weird and goes through, and she was yeah, trying she to call him it. if she, he just tossed a salad. Yeah, he tossed it. <laughs> it's a salad grind. I had to give her props that she recognized it was a salad grind, and she knew that it was named Salad Grind because Eric Dressen invented it, but she made the joke, didn't you just toss a salad grind? And he was... No, babe, that's not what I did. Toss a salad. You're not taking this seriously enough. Exactly. And the other <laughs> shout-out I give, um, this guy must think we're stalking him. I think his name is Ryan, but it's the thrift, thrift Store Paintings thrift store paintings on Instagram, and he's funny as shit, and he just did a little post where he walked into the skate shop, and he's like, I'd like to buy these half cabs. And the guy at this guy just goes, oh, do you know you get a prize pack with that? And he's like, oh, what I win? He goes, well, you get a trucker hat. He's, oh, that looks great. Oh, that looks great. I'll wear that. <laughs> and he's like, uh, and you get a Andy Anderson board. How'd you know this was the exact deck I was after? <laughs> this is exactly what I wanted. And a animal chin sticker. <laughs> For your Toyota Tacoma? Uh, Ford. 
Close enough. Forked close enough. And he goes close enough. And then they show him slap the sticker on the back of the window. And it's the end of the video. It's just funny shit. And I like to give props to that because they're bringing something funny into skateboarding. And so those three things are some people you ought to check out on Instagram. So just thought I'd give that a little bit of love. You know? Agreed. And with that. What are you timing over there? We're timing on something. So let me tell you what's going on in this episode. We're not going to talk. Uh, we don't have to go back as much and tell what happened in the last episodes because you hopefully listened to them in order, even though we're not necessarily being succinctly, except for at the beginning here, we are still stuck in the pre-80s. Um, and we talked a little bit about how we're obviously expanding our format and talking a little bit more about all the stuff that's going on in Texas. Um, I thought it would be cool to mention uh, about some other recent uh, Thrasher articles and things that came out about our local area. We talked about the premiere, of course. Um, uh, there's a lot of stuff going on and a lot of people contacting us. And one of the things I thought was cool was that I am hearing from crews in Longview, in Midland, Tim Kirby corrected me and made sure that I knew that the skate park in Big Spring, yeah. not Springs, right. Big Spring, Texas, was called Bent Cement. Bent Cement, yeah. But it was Bent Cement. And then I thought, uh-oh, cement. It wasn't Bent Concrete. That's true. Bent Cement. So they even got it wrong back then. I don't know. It rhymes. And also, this is Texas, where a lot of people think it's cement. Cement. And the uh, the valley... Uh, trying to get a hold of Gumby. Gumby's been posting just a little bit, and Gumby's an important part of that South Texas culture and early Texas culture. Uh, and then... Side note. Side note. Do you, th- do you think it would have been more apt and correct to have called it something like discrete concrete instead of bent cement? No, because then discreetly people wouldn't be uh, finding out about it because it'd be discreet. Hey, that's just what popped into my head. I don't know. That's a little too highbrow, right? I mean, yeah, that's uh, too highbrow. Bent I don't cement know. makes more sense. I don't know. Okay. Bent cement. But even though cement, as you beautifully mentioned in the episode three, I guess it was, you broke down the mixes for everybody. Actually, I think that was uh, Mike Money was the one you kind of narrowed that uh, discussion of how concrete is actually mixed and combined. Ah, Okay. So, uh, and also, a big shout out, and I missed him yesterday at the Lizard Fest, uh, the Lizard uh, Barge the Ditch thing from No Comply, and that was a guy from Longview, not sorry, not Longview, Lubbock, Lubbock, Texas, where Harley Till just moved, and Harley Till was back for this event, and he brought this dude that's running this DIY in Lubbock, and he's killing it, and if nobody knows about it. He just heard about our podcast. He's stoked, and I've started following him, and he's posting stuff, and he's out in Lubbock, and they got a legit little uh, DIY area, and he's skating in overalls, which I think is a Lubbock thing. Well, Could be. I mean, you know, it's Texas Texas Tech. Yeah, I'm just thinking the guy that I was used to seeing skating overalls was uh, Aaron Argian from uh, San Marcos, but maybe he's originally from Lubbock, and he just brought that style down here. I don't know. What's up, Double A, if you're out there? (laughs) <laughs> Double A, if you're out there. So, all right, as we move along, uh, we talked about the pros who are bringing this episode to you. We also want to make the shout out for some of our buds that have helped contribute. Once again, we have three sponsor levels, which are basically happening. If you want to sponsor, get involved. The the bud level is people who just want to float us some funds and just help us out and just kind of pitch in and buy some enough for, you know, uh, some 12 pack or coffee or whatever it is going on. Uh, Kit Cheney, Tracy Weller, Brian Charsky, 
uh, are all part of that. Our bros, which are companies that are helping out, they're contributing, they're providing our sticker packs, they're giving us some of these lovely boards that you see back here that we're going to utilize, etc. Um, and we already mentioned Mike Money and Cockfight. His kid was out there yesterday also killing Yeah, Matt, Matt was ripping. Matt was out there. They were at some kind of family reunion and just happened to show up, and he was in his Sunday Saturday clothes, Mike Money was, and his kid he was, was ripping. He was just parking again out of his truck when I got there, and he said, why are there so many cars here? <laughs> and I was you, like, have you heard you not, about this place called Lizard Ditch that like, we keep talking about? Did you not come about? for the event? He's like, is it always this crowded? I'm like, no, dude, there's, mm, there's always, a contest but... going on today. And he's like, I just was in town and decided to come skate. Jeez. Um, much love to... Good to see you, Mike. Yeah, good to see you, Mike. Much love to Cat Palace and Jesse over there. You've gotten us some more stickers. we got some more things working on. Cat Palace also has a board back here that he sent us that is flocked printed. And one of the cool things about Cat Palace is flock printing. It's that glow-in-the-dark fuzzy kind of ink, I guess you call it. I don't know what it is, but he's one of the few people in the U.S. Say, that does that. Would you say it's really flocking cool? It's really flocking cool. <laughs> Jesse at Cat Palace. It does look cool, and it's it's fuzzy. It feels like velvet. It feels like velvet. He does those, like I said, he does these Halloween, cool Halloween posters and stuff like that, the glow-in-the-dark, etc. And so if you want to get with Jesse, if you need posters done, stickers, and pretty much anything printed related you can get at cat palace mfg at gmail.com so you got to get right. with him um and our other bros kind of a bro pro and brings me into a couple of pieces of information but our friend rainy bears hey rainy so, hey rainy so i mentioned to talk to ben so i got to see two of my favorite youngins that have and i say youngins they're now rainy's 31 ben's probably close to that i don't know how old ben is i should have asked him but uh and his break-free skate shop, he was having an event actually this weekend, um, a bunch of bands, um, a bunch of photos, and a bunch of cool shit, and Rainy Barras from Texas, San Antonio, and giving love to him and his break-free skate shop, who is also now a Pro Bro sponsor. He's sending us some stuff to... Uh, show off and help all the way from oakland california oakland Thanks, california guys. so rainy bears and again we are all about texas brands texas companies texas people doesn't matter if you're in texas like rainy and all those that we've mentioned that are working on thrasher and all that kind of stuff but you know what that gives us an opportunity to say hey from the 512 shout out to the 510 Oh. How are you guys doing in the East Bay out there? Look at the area code knowledge on Carjack. So, Rainy, give a little tidbits talking to Rainy. Holy fucking shit. He is so damn stoked on this show. Everybody loves Rainy because he's gnarly. And when he gets the thumbs up from Cardiel, Cardiel and, Phil, and Phelps, excuse me, and all those, obviously we know that the skate world loves him. But in Texas, he is obviously fan favorite, and he is incredibly stoked about what's going on. He's made his social presence a little bit under an assumed name, we'll call it. And he's been posting up a bunch of stuff, zines from Dan Wilkes and from Newton. And uh, I got a call and spoke to him on Friday for about 20 minutes, and he gets as excited as you guys hear me in my excited tone on this podcast. And he is, man, I've been living in California, and I haven't been around, and so I just started digging in, and I was finding all this Texas stuff, and I got these zines, and then these interviews that Salba talks about going to the pipes, and he's just he's flooding me with this information i'm like holy shit dude first off how old are you 31 and i'm like yeah i can't call you a kid anymore and second off i'm like you know more than not necessarily more than we do but you know stuff that we don't know that's super important and i'm like we need to have you on sooner than later which of course is true 
he also said he's not been interviewed by any of those other well-known podcasts. Although he's been asked, I think we're going to nab him first. We'll see. Ooh, Pretty we get sure. a scoop. Get a scoop. But the other cool thing that he kind of alluded to that I will allude to is that he has been collecting and gathering all this information. And apparently there was some stuff that has been legally, let's call it released or available that has not been available before because of who owns content. And some of that content we are going to find out about and hopefully we'll be get some permissions and talk to some people, Jeff Newton, Rainey, and some other people at Thrasher uh, that have some content. So, you know, the most I'll say is that it's been seen, and there's some super rad stuff. And photographers take a lot of photos, Carjack, but yeah, only just, one gets in the right. only one, like one, maybe two, get in the magazine. So what happens to all that other content? They don't really have control over it, Goes or they the don't files. have because it's you know it comes out for special episodes or special issues or whatever the case is. So hopefully there will be that we are starting to stir the pot of feathers. <laughs> And getting a lot of this information that even you and I, in the last episode, said in the last two weeks, holy shit, there's so much information. Well, in the last two more weeks, it's tripled. And that's only a little bit of the stuff that we've been getting information on. So Yeah, there's a lot. We, we suspected there was a lot out there. There's it, It's starting to filter up now, which is cool. Yeah. Um, and that's why we say dig out the shoeboxes, man. We know you guys got photos. We know there's stories. We know that there's there's evidence that there was this thing out there, and uh, it's just not been documented well enough. In- Man, I tell you, it's it's crazy. I was thinking about it the other day. It's like I'm a kid again. We already have the skateboarder mind at this age. I know we drive around and we see culverts and walls and stuff, and we're driving and we're like, oh, I can skate that. I did that. I mean, it's it's always a skateboarder's mind. Well, it used to be like, oh man, I could hit that. I could do this trick there. Now I'm like, oh, I could take somebody who's really good at skateboarding there, and they could do this. That's yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but also, like I, you know, back in the in the early days when we were in our height or early height in the 80s and stuff, you know, you go to school and you, you were doodling and you're always thinking skateboarding between class and all that stuff. Man, this whole amount of information that's coming in and you and I starting to stir up our conversations and the other people chiming in and sending us stuff, it's crazy. It's like filling my head almost like the same thing when I'm, uh, you know, was back then in between classes and school where I'm just like, I'm noting this has got to be talked about. We found out about this. Mike Money just sent me a disc, not an SD card, not a USB drive, a floppy disc, like a three, three and, and a half, half floppy disc <laughs> from Big Ryan. It's where the young kids say like, oh, that's the save icon. From Big Ryan, Ryan Smith. And it says Cecil's 1983. Oh, wow. That's it. So we have an archive of photos that is on a disc that has not been developed that I'm sure has been seen, but you have to have a floppy disk drive to run it. So I have to get it and send it and get it digitized. But that's Cecil's ramp, which upcoming is going to be hugely important with the early spring series and the contest when the bowls were gone. And then Phillips, this is when Neil was up there. Um, Johnny, yeah. Todd, all those guys were at these contests early in these spring series. And so we've got some photos upcoming that are hopefully just amazing. So I've got that. Is this implied that these are photos that Ryan 
shot took. himself. Yes, these are photos in 1983. Yes, kind of like the photos from Jimmy episode to back up real quick. That photo album was that Ryan I posted like 12 years old in 1983. I'm pretty I don't sure know how he's old my he age. He might be. All I know is Mike Money said, "I'm sending you this." He sent it to me. He explained that it's photos from Cecil's Ramp in 1983, and it's from Ryan Smith. Badass. Now, Mike Money, if I'm wrong, let me know, hmm. and we'll cockfight it out. That that's on you. Yeah, no, no, that's not gonna happen. <laughs> but anyway, so but so we're getting that, and then between that and the stuff that Rainey's got, and then I got a message and got, um, you know, hopefully this is not the first time you will hear our podcast, Mister Stuart Singer. Uh, up in the Dallas area, but Stuart Singer's number was given to me that I'm going to text and hopefully, and Stuart's going to be a big discussion upcoming when we dig into some of this San Antonio contest and was a huge part of all of that. And so we're getting there. We're trying to get to these people. We're trying to get to talking to the Galveston people in Booger and um, Dallas and the Donnell stuff going on, San Marcos, South Texas, Somebody was just posting up information about a huge 20-plus foot ramp that was in Georgetown that moved to Smithville, Texas, that people were posting up that was in Smithville. And we're talking cut-in-half PVC yeah. years when the oil field pipe wasn't there. All right. Yeah. That, that one's news to me. That's news to you. So a lot of cool stuff upcoming, uh, a lot of great things happening um, with that. Um Touch base real quick. As I mentioned, we're in Texas Things. This uh, carjack's keeping a much better line on uh, timing here, I suppose. Uh, Thrasher just had an article that came out about being in Austin, Texas, along with a weird, drink weird yep. video that also got posted in Texas with all of the local rippers and people we see out the scene. And again, Texas doesn't seem to necessarily be a destination, but sure, a lot of motherfuckers love coming through here and a lot of cool things that they're posting. Um, a lot of the Roger team was on there uh, and a lot of uh, good article fodder. Cats in there from Cherry's Wheels. Mikey Sieben's in there. Um, his writer Reese, I believe, from Roger yeah. was in there. Max Taylor. Max Taylor, who I met yesterday. Uh, Jamie was in there. Um, mm. I think Dylan got a little bit in that. Um, Dylan was in there doing an invert at yeah. that uh, that weird quarter pipe in that ditch yep. on East Austin. Uh, Evan Smith was Evan in Smith. the opening thing where he did that back tail on in that ditch off the highway that's right down the street here in lakeway right no exactly and a lot of really good footage and photos and some good article in thrasher once again austin we're not saying that texas is not known or texas isn't a part of the culture or any of that kind of stuff you guys know that at this point but we do know that um again austin and texas is a great place to travel through but it's a tough place to get the constant footage that we think we deserve. So we're pushing that and hopefully pumping that up. And there's a lot of conversations happening of a lot of us doing the same thing. Everybody's stoked about Texas skateboarding and making sure that we pump it up because there's a lot of good things going on. So, you know, a lot of good shit like that. So that's happening and that's cool stuff. Um, speaking of Corpus Christi, Carjack's writing notes there. That's good. Corpus Christi got a note from our friends at Makeshift Skateboards. Now, I'm not as familiar with Makeshift, but they've uh, been around, he says, for almost 30 years now in the Corpus area. So I think they were kind of around more after some of the older folks 
moved on and so it's uh uh makeshift skateboards they did a few months ago or sometime back ago they did a contest on an aircraft carrier which yes. i think was the first that was ever done and that was in corpus yeah that was uh i can't remember the name of the ship but it's it's uh i want to say it was like the lexington or something but it's uh it's anchored there in corpus christi bay and they held a uh, a street contest on on the deck um really so really badass yeah um and those guys have been involved in the scene there for years i met a, a couple of those guys this last weekend when i was over at uh, kenny wayne's party um where they had the band coffin was in town from australia they were playing it was a total rager of a party it was a super fun event but I met some of the Corpus guys there, and uh, they were telling me about makeshift. They've uh, one of the guys has his own. Um, this guy Alex has his own uh, sort of nonprofit group that he's running, trying to help uh, kind of mentor youth and uh, through skateboarding and give them some some uh, guidance and better life options and and just you know it sounds like they're doing some some good stuff down there. But he's involved with uh, the guy from makeshift as well. They've got a cool scene going down there, man. He told me that uh, Corpus is looking at doing some new skate parks. They're going to add to the little street area that's in uh, Flower Bluff, and they're planning another like regional park there that'll be a full-on park. Well, hopefully that's all good, because the good news out of that is he texted me after the Jimmy episode dropped, and he sent me a message. He's like, dude, I've already listened to the episode twice. This is great. <laughs> and... I got the mayor to listen to the episode. He's yeah. listening to your podcast. That's what they and I'm were like, telling the me. Fucking mayor of Corpus it's Christi. Not a he. It's a she. Oh, I'm sorry. And Excuse me. They, She's listening. Yeah, and they did when they did the new um, facelift at Cole Park. Uh, they did the ribbon cutting for it, and they got her on a skateboard. She wanted to get on a skateboard, and they were like, "It's going to look really bad if you eat it." So they kind of helped hold her up, make sure nothing bad happened. But uh, yeah, the mayor of, skate of Corpus was on a skateboard at Cole Park. That is so rad, and we need absolutely more of that and more um, uh, notice, and especially Corpus Christi. I mean, us talking about Corpus Christi and how important it is, maybe that'll give a little influence for Corpus to have some world-class skate parks and some things going on above and beyond what they already do. Speaking of Corpus, Rob Meyer also sent me a uh, message. He's also Corpus. He's more our age, late forties. Um, definitely a vert ripper. And he's like, man, I can't, at some point I know you will get me on to, I got this story about Phillips. I got to tell you about it. I can't wait to talk about it. Awesome. (laughs) So we'll get him on at some point. Uh, don't forget, uh, part of this, uh, thing that we're growing, our Instagram is almost at 900. That sounds minuscule, but it's getting there. So help share. Make sure you subscribe on all the formats that you listen to. There's Somebody's counting that and looking towards us. Make sure you share, subscribe, and like. Those are all important things that um, it's cool that you listen to the podcast and all that kind of stuff, but if you love it, help us grow. Spread it to your friends. I was out at the Bowl of Cones the other day, which we won't talk about, but it was really cool. And... Uh, uh, Good event, great event, and there was a pack of young kids, probably 9 to 14 years old, and there was like five of them, and they were all hanging out, whatever, and they heard the commotion. They came over to watch the contest, and I gave them a sticker, and of course, they're like, oh, I want a sticker, and I go, it's history. You got to listen to some history, but it's cool history, and they're like, okay, yeah, great, and then they already started like getting on their phone, and what's your Instagram, and liking me, and all that kind of stuff, and then they were hanging out watching the contest, and that was all cool. 
It was good stuff. So hopefully we're getting some youth that are listening and really realizing that they can learn some history and it's fun stuff and it's skateboarding, etc. But then they all kind of took off as the competition went on for a little while. And then as soon as the competition was finishing and we were doing the awards and I announced that we were having the food get to start and start the cater. I mean, a, a pro chef was out there and uh, Joey did a great job, Joey Clark, of putting this on. And he was ready for the food, and so I announced for the food. And then I see at the bowl, I see five heads pop up above from the street course into the bowl and start climbing up. And they're like, we're going to get some food, all that. And they all started to run, bum rush the line. I was like, ah, wait a second. Back up, back up. Because all the competitors right. and all of the people who were at the event had to. And it was cool that they were there, but they were, like, trying to bum rush it. So I kind of gave them a little skateboard lesson. That's how grounds you know, are. Grounds are. But, you know, there's a snake session on a ramp, and if you're good enough to snake, yes. But you're not going to snake all these people from the food from watching the event. But you can have some food. And there was plenty. Sure. But they just tried to bum rush the line. But that was kind of a fun thing. And they're hopefully listening to our podcast because we just talked about them. What up, kids? What up, kids? Uh... <clears throat> that also reminds me, me, speaking of the the Instagram followers, the podcast is now finally uh, live on Apple Podcasts, Mention on that. Google, on everything. So you can find us basically on any podcast platform. Please go there and subscribe to the pod because that will help our reach. If you like the pod, go and leave a five-star review. Please say something nice about us. If you don't like the pod, go leave a five-star review and tell us we're dicks. Uh. <laughs> we haven't had any haters so far. Hopefully, we are going to stir some feathers and, and poke the anthill and all those other stupid analogies that we're coming up with. But um, seriously, the we are so very humbled and appreciated for the amount of love we are getting, the messages we are getting, the people that are telling us we're, they're stoked we're doing it. We're stoked we're doing it. Carjack and I talk about it all the time, and we're happy to bring this because it needs to happen, and we're just lucky to be doing it. We don't know if we're the, the people to make it all come to you, but we are doing our best, and we love it, and we appreciate all the love we're getting. Yeah, Seriously. it is really cool Very to important. hear some positive feedback on this, and we we suspected that there was a, an audience for this, and it's, it's really nice to see that that was correct. I think... I have, we've been talking about a lot of the stuff without getting into history, and I have a PSA, but I think I'm going to save the PSA for towards the end. Okay. So as a teaser, if you love Zorlac, you're going to want to stick around for the PSA later. Coming to you care of Carrie Jackson as presented or maybe influenced by Jimmy Coleman. Okay. And uh, oh. we'll be getting that to you later. For Zorlac lovers, it's a very important PSA. So I'll do a little teaser, and we'll get into that coming up soon. So there's that. In episode before, we were uh, uh, talking to Maggie and to Kenny Harrison. And before that, in episode three, we were supposed to get to what we're about to go to, and that's the contest in San Antonio, at uh, the big contest there early on in 78, I think it was. But we didn't get to it. We've, again, found that there's so much going on that we can't help but keep backing up and staying in the 70s and pre-80s. Because trust us, when we get to the 80s, and especially 81 and Thrasher in those years, we're going to really be digging um, and taking our time through those years um, in those episodes. Um, but in that last uh, episode, I have 
these little funny theories that I've been thinking. That was the one that I had talked about, the starting of the hate between regular and Mongo. The whole... You mean regular and goofy? No. Or pushing pushing, normally pushing, and pushing regular Mongo. And, and Mongo with the whole Tony Alva uh, versus Hester... And that's where I think it started. That's that's my whole theory there. I've got another theory coming so up. So are you saying Henry Hester's Mongo? He did. Remember, we talked about this in the last, last, last episode in four, which we haven't heard yet. So Carjack probably doesn't remember what with Kenny and Maggie. That was the uh, discussion of the ABC Worldwide Sports. Oh, I remember the yeah, event. Yeah, okay. I just didn't remember so that was just if one of Henry my, was Mongo. Yeah, he started Mongo and Alva started regular with his front foot up front okay. as opposed to Mongo starting, which is your back foot on the back. Which is wrong. Which Mongo is wrongo. Jeff Phillips, Kevin Staub, Bill Danforth, myself. Yeah. So what? A lot Shame. of them. Um, <laughs> we all drop in Mongo. Uh, but anyway, yeah, that was that whole thing. That was a theory. So I have a, some people roll in. Regular. I have an, I have an upcoming thing, uh, theory about uh, skateboard teams in Texas. Okay, so we'll get to that in a little bit. Something like the that. The suspense is killing me. The suspense is killing you. So I guess with that, holy cow, a lot of good stuff, a lot of great things happening in Texas early on. But it's time for class. John, insert class. class. Good Good stuff. So, Carjack. Yes. We left off before. As you're making notes, I'm curious what all your notes are about. I keep referring to it. Uh, We left off in that last episode before talking to Kenny, really digging into the history. We were about to talk about that contest in San Antonio at Skate Slopes. Yes. And we didn't get there. And so I thought that would be a big chunk because I did a little bit more investigation and reading through that article and all that. And thank you for those who alerted us to those. Um, I want to say the two people that posted and talked about it the most were uh, Ken Tyson, which I'm not even sure if I've ever met him, but he's a gray-haired gentleman that skateboards. He's an older gentleman, I presume. And then Rainy Barris, who is... Not an older gentleman as of yet. He's a gentleman, I think. Yes, sure. pretty much. But he's not older. They were the two that were most posting about this contest. And so I went back and read through it and pulled out some some snippets and just some information about it because I thought it would be good fodder to talk about because it also has to do with some of the stuff we're talking about, and that's the Texas and California. It's not really Texas versus California. Nah. No, but it's the influence and the fact that California has continued to get all of the acclaim and love, and we want some of that back because Texas deserves it, and there was some really cool shit going on for sure. It's not shit, but it was good stuff. Really good stuff. Yeah. I mean, California is where the industry is based, and it's where all of the the media was based, so it's only natural that they would uh, get most of the coverage, but the that's why we're here. Exactly. So, um, with this contest, I have another note I'll give a quick before we get into this contest because it kind of pertains. I This magazine, which is National Skateboard Review, the uh, issue... What a great magazine name. <laughs> National Skateboard Review. <laughs> December of 1978 issue, the contests were in the October time frame 
of that, before I talk about this San Antonio contest or lead into it, there was another contest in Alabama that's in this same issue. So I don't know which contest came first because I don't think I saw the dates on the Alabama one. But what I did note and what we're going to talk about, and we're going to be talking about, uh, I mentioned briefly, teams. This was still the era, 1978, 77, 78, of skateboard teams. And kind of wearing the same kind of colors and you had kind of almost uniforms and all that kind of stuff, which was skateboard was trying to figure out individually, I presume was, was was happening at that time. They were trying to figure it out, but they were trying to promote themselves as sport oriented because that's what was making money in the world. Does that sound about right? Yeah. And I think maybe people, people didn't know any better yet or didn't know how to, Nobody had any idea how to try to market skateboarding or how to show it to a mainstream mass audience. And so on the one hand, you can almost not blame anybody for making all the GNS riders wear those yellow shirts and look exactly the same. But on the other hand, that wasn't going to ever last. Well, I think it may be, and this is, I guess, a point. I don't know. But, you know, nobody was super outstanding comparatively a lot of people were really good and there were probably some skaters that were far and above but for the most part in the team format i think it was kind of cool because they maybe they were smart they were trying to maybe this is the skateboard world proving that inclusivity was a thing and you should have paid attention back then maybe we were at the forefront of inclusivity because you had young old male female you had all the above and it was the combination of all their events and how they did in those events to win the team event so you won both individually and you won as a team so hey mark that i'm gonna say that skateboard is skateboarding is one of the reasons that all inclusivity was pushed right that's a theory. Okay. Yeah. I'm not sure inclusivity, I follow, but okay. Yeah. Well, inclusivity in the sense that it wasn't just about the people who were ripping. It was about the whole of the team, and the team included women and men and kids and, you know, et cetera. Of course, kids, they weren't over 19 at that point. They were still younger. So that was in the air. If you don't follow along, well, send me an email. Okay. <laughs> but uh, this con- there was a contest in Alabama. And the reason I want to mention it, because we're going to talk a little bit about and mention quite a few times Stuart Singer out of the Dallas area. And Stuart Singer rode for uh, Donnell Distribution, which was the distribution skateboard company back in the day that was pre the, the um, you know, when Jeff Phillips and Dan Wilkes and, and all those guys were in, um, Craig were all just getting going. Donnell Distribution was the place that they brought the blue ramp. Yeah, that's where the blue ramp was. And all of that. And he had a skateboard team, Donnell's team, yep. and he traveled around. And Stuart Singer was one of the main guys, or if not the main guy. In fact, Rainey brought it to my attention. He was like talking to me on the phone, literally. And he's like, well, wait a minute. Didn't Stuart Singer have the first pro model, not Gibson? And I was like, I don't know. I'm guessing he had a pro model. And Fucking Rainy Bears sends me a text of a picture of a Stuart Singer Veriflex model. All right, not quite as small that as was news to yeah, me. not a quite as small as like a freestyle board, but not a full fat pig board yet, and a little bit bigger than those early Logan Erskies, let's say. Okay, you know, um, but uh, like that, a little bit bigger than that, All a right. little bit bigger than the board that Kerry just showed, which he used for his wheel yeah. sound early in the uh, episode. But anyway, 
Stuart Singer, uh, the cool thing about this contest, the only reason I wrote that down is because he was killing it. Stuart Singer was one of those super early guys. And guess what? He was from the Dallas area. We spent so much time talking about the coast. And there are a lot of really Mark Wheelis and some other people that were considered in that area, um, Tim Litzman, et cetera. But Stuart Singer was definitely one of those. And he was in the Dallas area. And um, in that Alabama contest, he was first in freestyle. Remember, you didn't just go and skate the contest and the event. You kind of skated them all. Yeah, there was a bunch of different events. It wasn't just the vert ramp contest because most parks didn't have a vert ramp. So there'd be a slalom event. There'd be a, maybe a high jump event. There'd be a freestyle event. There'd be a, right. a, a bowl event. So... Uh, Stuart Singer in that Alabama contest somewhere in the 78 range got first in freestyle. He got fifth in the half pipe, second in pool, and Donnell's team was fifth overall in the standings. Right. So that was the Alabama contest. So I thought that was cool because I was reading through and the, be- the, the meat of what we're about to talk to also involves a lot of um, Stuart Singer um, upcoming. So... And we'll try to, you know, we're trying our best to post links and pictures and things so that you can follow along and go check it out. But you can do the same as us as well. If you hear us talking about an event or something, Google it and you'll be able to find it. There's a few sources and we'll do our best to get it out to you. But it is cool stuff and you get to check out some really rad old photos and some cool information, etc. So let's dig into this, Carjack. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So this... History lesson today, I suppose, here in episode five. Um, again, Don Singer of Donnell Distribution. Somebody also sent me a, a link or a shot of his Facebook page. Okay. So I guess Don is out there. We'd love to get him. And this contest was the first largest contest in the state of Texas. And I guess what they're calling the early Texas championships because there wasn't anything else at that point but they kind of referred right. to it right. um, with over 200 participants from all over the state of texas um, when i pull up the list here in a second there are there are cities from all over the place from amarillo to lubbock to corpus to dallas to you know all over the place there are skaters represented that placed within these first um this first contest and so um, it was the biggest event to date. Like I said, there was 200 skaters and over 800 spectators. 800 at this park. That's pretty big. For, for, by, for 1978, yeah. For 78. Yeah, again, this happened in October 28th of 1978. So Almost 45 years almost ago. Almost 45 years ago and about a couple of weeks, I guess. Um, by the so, time you're listening. By the this. time you're listening to this. Uh, so... That contest was, again, on uh, the Skate Slopes, which was one of those big, huge parks. There wasn't really any coping, per se. Everything was rollover. They did have some vertical walls. Uh, they had a snake run. You know, all of the above to have all these events, especially the freestyle and all that flat area. The uh, sponsors for the event at this time, and the prizes came from Continental Airlines, <laughs> Pepsi, and Alamo Amusement, which obviously has to do with Six Flags. Alamo... Does it? Well, I don't know. I mean, I would think Alamo Amusement, whatever was going on in 
San Antonio. Wasn't there, I mean, not a Six Flags, but whatever was going on, there's an amusement park, I but think. Was there? Maybe. I don't know. I guess we have to find that out. I mean, Fiesta, Texas is owned by Six Flags, but that didn't open I don't the think 90s. that was open there. Yeah, exactly. So, but those were your big three sponsors were Continental. So you got free swag, and I think there's a couple of pictures of coolers and a couple of things that like have the Pepsi logo on it, which was big in skateboarding at the time. Oh, yeah. It was yeah, definitely yeah. big. They uh, had their own team. Shout out to Pepsi, who's always been in the game. Uh, Coca-Cola, where are you at? Well, I my mean, cousin. Suicidal tendencies never called out Coca Cola. So this is true. That that Absolutely. was going against them. Continental Airlines, uh, big airline, still going. No, no, no. They're based no. out of Houston. They're they got bought out by United. Like, oh, that's right. Yeah, ten yeah. years ago or something. Twelve years ago, however long. But they're ago. still Continental, aren't they? No, it's United now. Is it United? Yeah. Okay. Anyway, we're talking airline. But they were the Houston-based airline back then. But that was the sponsor. So there wasn't any, as far as mentioning, there wasn't any mention of any, you know, Hobies or Logans. or There wasn't any mention of those companies sponsoring the event. It was all, it's up to you San Antonio guys. And so San Antonio went in and they got these big sponsors that were, had nothing to do with skateboarding, really. Except Pepsi, like we said. Right. Something like that. And they have, of course, the Pepsi ramp they travel around with and stuff, but I don't know these Alamo Amusement and Continental Airlines. So there were four events at this. Uh, freestyle, as we mentioned. Bank and Bowl. So it's not just the bowl. It was the Bank and Bowl. Interesting. Bank and Bowl. So I, and if you look at the photos, there's a huge, long half pipe that leads from a turn and I think that that's part of where the bank is that leads into the half pipe. So bank and bowl would be like skating the Wells Branch mud skate park because there's a bowl and then it opens up into the area with the banks. Is that what we're sure. thinking? Sure. Sure. Is that conjecture? I'm just, yeah, it's conjecture. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to relate it to something that people listening here might be able to like picture. Um, right. I'm not sure. Well, we'll Otherwise. we'll post a couple of photos, and I don't know if you can see all that, but it's it was part of as we talked in one of the previous episodes, episode three. Skate parks at that time were kind of like a run. They started at the pro shop, and you typically had um, either a snake run or a, a flat area that led into a bigger area that led into a snake, you know, into a bowl, and then led back to the pro shop. It was kind of like a run. Where you spend your money. Where you spend your money, but it was always kind of like it's like a Kia. <laughs> when you walk in, you can't get out, or yeah, you don't you know get, how to get. get there's no way to leave. Point. Yeah, it, they, I got stuck in the deep end. They, got, they force you to go through a key, uh, a key, and then you get some Swedish meatballs, and then you buy some shit that you don't need to put on your walls. Yeah, something like that. But anyway, um, <laughs> so the pro shop. And you there, better have a skate tool to put it all together with. Exactly. Ooh, we'll talk about the pro shop here in a minute. Something I heard. We'll see. But uh, anyway, so that's how the parks were set up. Um, the half pipe, which was by far the most popular, they mentioned in this article, was two 30-second runs, which is short. It is short. And for the size of the walls, I mean, again, this half pipe... But to be fair, I think only three skateboard tricks existed in 1978. <laughs> but it was kind of more like, it's a little bit like a snowboard run in the sense that they weren't going back and forth directly. Yeah, they were going right? downhill. They were hitting a trick and as they were going down the park. So imagine it more like a snowboard pipe, I suppose. That's probably the best way to talk about it, more than what you see today where they're back and forth, back and forth, and then go up up right. or back or whatever like the case if is. If you could go back uphill on the course, you were definitely ruling it. Like that was, you were probably placing high because that, mean, that meant you had the place dialed. Right, exactly. So... But that um, 
that event, and that was by far one of the most popular. Um, they had the trials on Saturday, what they called the trials, yes. and the fun finals were on Sunday. It was good. So this was the event that we briefly mentioned a couple of times, and if you read this article, it's kind of fantastic. It's not the finest journalism piece I've ever read, but uh, it is good, and I pulled out some stuff. So this was the contest, Carrie. Yes. Where... And I'm assuming that's why Continental Airlines, Pepsi, and Alamo was in because they had to fly out somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 to 15 California dudes. Pros. Did they really have to? Well, no, they didn't have to. (laughs) But they did so. So, and this kind of, there's a good point for our conversation. And that is, you know, we we have this whole thing where we want to separate from California. um, And we were doing things at the same time, which is true. We didn't have the media and we didn't have the events and the contests at experience at that point so i think the fact is is that we weren't it wasn't that we weren't as radical or weren't doing those things it's just that they were a little bit ahead of us on the competition because they had hollywood and whatever money was out there in california able to make those contests happen and they had some more experience that we needed in texas that we just didn't have maybe that's the realism of it yeah they were definitely ahead of us on the curve as far as like trashing hotel rooms well that we'll get to but i'd like to i i would say that texas might have perfected that art later well that's that is a point but that's not what i was talking about car jack sorry my brain goes places no but seriously on the on the real point you're referring to um they brought in the pros because that's what was happening they were getting the coverage so texas needed the contest experience and they had the pros come out and run the contest so i think the realism of and the props back to california is that that was the reason they were brought out there now what it turned into might be something different but texas at that time didn't have necessarily experience and so they paid to have all of these judges come out and run the events now here's the thing about this and we'll name some names and stuff they judged the events they ran the events. What did they do between the events? I have no idea. They coached, gave techniques, points on style. They basically were there for a clinic. These visiting pros. These visiting pros were there for a clinic. I don't know if it was a, we are here for a clinic, or if it's, that's what they were doing in between. Now, I'm sure that all the That would have been cool as hell. Cool as, as hell, and everybody kid. loves it. And, of course, there were some really big names that we get into and all that stuff. But at the same time, it's that point of Texas needed that education because we didn't have the people that were doing it at the time. Now, I'm sure that the Stuart Singers, Mark Wheelis's, and the other names we're going to mention that were from Texas were doing the same thing. They were good enough to be able to give that. But the way the article was presented was that the California flight were flown out to run the events and help us understand that and then judge it and, and do all that. Now, judge, we have to talk to somebody who's actually there, which we don't. I'm sure there was some judginess going on, like, oh, those Texans fucked them or whatever. I don't know. Or maybe they were legit open about how the judging happened or was there bias because they saw some really freaking rad skating going on early on in Texas that were from Texans. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Something like it. We don't know. We're going to try to dig into that as we talk to some people that were hopefully there and that sort of thing. So, um, from California, we have your judges were Stacy Peralta. Um, he 
ran the judging, and he also announced. He was an announcer. Yeah, I could see it. He was an announcer, but he also could talk the talk. I mean, def- Stacy Stacy was definitely one of those that people. Stacy Alva, Hack. Some of these other names we're going to talk about were definitely people that that everybody from Texas was seeing in the magazines. Because again, that was the only way we saw this stuff. There wasn't very much footage and video, right? And we saw the stuff other than the pop culture stuff we talked about in chips and whatever from the other episode. But there wasn't real stuff until you saw it in the magazines, and then you have these people out here to show you and talk to you. So, but he was Stacy was definitely one of those people. The other judges were Matt Barden, Lonnie Toft, which is a name we all know, Dennis Martinez, Chris Stropel. Um, also, there was Brad Bowman, Dave Hackett. Tom Inouye? Inouye? Inouye. Inouye. Tom Inouye. Um, Kirk Talbot. Um, don't know what that knows. Ray Bones Rodriguez. Nice. Steve Olson. Mm-hmm. Bobby Valdez. Mm-hmm. Steve Alba. All right. So, some pretty well-known names. And of those names... Now, here's one thing. I'm not trying to stir this pot, but a lot of the California skaters that are mentioned, or some of the mentions, still skate. Uh, a lot of our lovely pros in Texas, we wish it would skate more. Sure. And not sure what the dynamic into this, and I'm sure we'll ask those questions. But that's cool things because Hackett's still skating. I don't know if Lonnie, I'm not sure who's passed away and who's not. I'm not sure right. if I'm up on that list. Chris Stropel, I mean, I'm not sure which one of these guys are still skating. Uh, Steve Olson is still skating. Steve Alva's, Alba's still skating. Um, some of the other ones, hopefully, they are still involved. And uh, Wally, still in here. a way, is still. In a way. Yeah, he's still got it, uh, boards out, even. Um, but yeah, a lot of these guys are still, still around, still rolling. Yeah, so, and I made my note that I already mentioned that they were given trick tips and style pointers and, you know, kind of all their influence on that. And so the trials happened on Saturday with the finals on Sunday. But just like any other good, wholesome skateboard event, there's Saturday night. (laughs) (laughs) Saturday. Saturday night. And here's where it gets a little sticky. We kind of mentioned this before, Carrie Jackson. Trashing hotel rooms? Well, you know, the article said, quotation, some professionals acted unprofessional, unprofessional, rude, arrogant, and were troublemakers. So once again, the people that were flown in for this event acted rude, arrogant, and troublemakers. That's sounds like skateboarders. To sounds me. like skateboarders. It happens at every event. I can we can talk about all the shut up and skates. It always happens. But at this time, back then, it sets a little precedent. Let's call it. Uh, it could set two precedents: one, California coming in and fucking up Texas shit, maybe whatever, fucking up hotels, spending money that they don't have to spend because you know they weren't getting paying for it at the end. It was their sponsors or somebody else paying for it and fucking up shit and that sort of thing. Or and or maybe the second part of that theory could be. That was the point that Texas said, fuck you, we're going to party harder than you are. And they took on the being known as the people who started fucking shit up. Because in the early 80s, Texas Texas was very much. So that could be, mark that, I don't know. That could be another one of my little conspiracy theories, if you want. That could be the point that I think Texas turned into Texas skateboarding. Sure. Meaning that attitude that, you know what I'm saying? And... 
I don't know. I think it's fun to talk about. I don't know if that's the case, but it is certainly a point to have when you talk about the facts that we know that happen now. Well, it's also interesting to think that uh, if this was October of 78, this would be right around the same time. I'd have to look it up to see what month it happened, but that was when the Sex Pistols concert happened Mm. in San Antonio, which would have led to the formation of the big boys and kicked off kind of the Texas punk scene. So those two things were kind of uh, happening at the same time. We will find out about that. Mark that on your list. So October of 78 was the contest. What were the dates that the Sex Pistols traveled their Southern adventures from Atlanta through Texas to San Francisco and in Texas playing in honky-tonk bars before they broke up in San Francisco? I want to say that was fall of 78. Oh, that's cool. Good, good. All right. Knowledge with Carjack. Um, but so let's talk about Saturday night. So in the article, that's all they tell. They did they some stuff back happen. And then they mentioned the true. Pro- well, here's part of the story before I get to some things I've heard. The article did only mention after the rudeness, arrogance by some professionals. They only mentioned the true professionals. The true professionals were Stacy, Brad, Ray Bones, and a couple of others. So they literally named out Stacy, Brad, Brad, and Ray Bones, and a couple of others. So let's call it five dudes that weren't fucking shit up. True professionals. Basically the Powell team. Powell team. So <laughs> big shout out if Stacy Peralta ever hears this episode. Uh, thanks for not being an asshole. And also, were you the stunt double for Farrah Fawcett? We need to know that. Were you the stunt double for Farrah Fawcett? I'm just going to assume that was a yes. <laughs> yes. Um, but let's dig into this. because, Or, or maybe Farrah did her own stunts. I don't know. <laughs> but let's dig into that. So, talking to Rainy Barres, which we've mentioned like four times in this podcast now. Thank you, Rainy, because you're rad. Uh he knows a little bit more to the story. And he says that in one of the interviews, and I can't find it yet, I've, it's not on the Talking Schmidt, it could be on the Nine Club, but that Salba talks about some of this happening. And coming in and, um, you know, kind of what happened with that. And so, apparently, what happened is they were all partying back at the hotel, mm-hmm. and we are poking the anthill, Dave Hackett threw a chair out of a hotel window. How very Led Zeppelin of him. (laughs) Uh, uh, Drinking, smoking, partying, whatever combination of rage. And these guys would have all been, what, 18, 19, 19, 20, something like that. Um, So I thought that was pretty funny that, that Rainey talked about that fact that... Basically, he said the story is is that they were all partying at the hotel, being raging and whatever, and it got out of hand. But at what point, you know, it's kind of like the old, you know, Beastie Boys or anybody else. They talk about how they trashed the hotel rooms and called thousands of dollars. At what point, I guess that was in the 80s, they thought that was cool. Breaking shit was a thing that made you get noticed. Before it was the whole, go- now it's the going to jail makes you hard and whatever. But... Maybe that was the thing. I don't know. So you've heard the uh, the notion of work smarter, not harder. Mm-hmm. Here's a trick that I saw from a Texas professional skateboarder. Um, 
that I was working a contest in Dallas back in like oh five oh six. Okay, the LG Chocolate Tour it was at Reunion Arena in Dallas, and Chris Gentry was uh, shout out Gentry was one of the the competitors there, and he had the good sense to rent out two hotel rooms and make sure that one of them was on the corner of the building. And then he rented the room next door as well. The room next door was his room where he slept. (laughs) Right. The room in the corner, which had his room as a buffer. And on the other side, there was no room attached. It was up against the stairwell. That was the designated party room. He filled the bathtub with ice and had several cases of beer and drinks in there. I think I was at that event. Yeah. So that was the designated party room. By putting it in the corner, it was isolated so that it wouldn't bother other hotel guests. And he had the good sense not to want to party in the room where he was sleeping. So that was a win-win. I was like, this this is a genius level move here. You keep the partying in the cool room on the corner with a balcony with the view. And then when you're out, you're out instead of falling asleep and getting sharpied up. You all go over. to yeah. your room next door and lock the damn door. Yes. Like oh that is God. that is the voice of experience. Hey. That is somebody who has traveled the world and seen some stuff. And he knew the smart way to do things. And I took notes. I was like, this is the way to do it. That's called evolving from skaters fucking with you all the time. From falling asleep and getting sharpied on the fucking penis on the cheek or whatever. From uh, Crumb being drunk at a shut up and skate and people pissing his beer. And then everybody goes, let's chug beers. And Crumb chugs his beer and doesn't realize. I did not know that that story. That'll come up a little more. But yeah, there's shit like that. And skaters always fucking with each other. But yes, Um, Jen. Gentry is a true professional here. He knows how to run things. He is a pro. Shout out to Chris Gentry. Uh, he's been listening. He loves the podcast. Uh, the Again, the party at the hotel to take that back. Um, a Blackheart through the chair, like I said. Um, wait, Blackheart through the chair or Hackett through I'm the sorry, chair? I'm sorry, Hackett through the chair. No, wait a minute. No, I'm sorry. It's Well, Rainy, you're going to have to get it straight. Because then I have written Blackheart through the chair. So it was either Blackheart or Hackett. Who threw the chair out the window? Is it is Olsen it scandalous? And Salba and Bobby Valdez were all part of that ruckus crew. Is it scandalous for me to say that I find it equally easy to believe <laughs> whether it's Blackheart or yes. Hackett? Just the list of those names. I'm like, it was one of the those guys. Yeah, possibly Alba, but he's not usually that aggro. But Hackett or Blackheart, I have no trouble believing that. I'm trying to get some Alba information to clarify because I was listening to part of the interview, which, by the way, he gives a big love and shout out to Carter Dennis as being his Alamo Pipe contact, one of them. But anyway, uh, the story goes is that we should always give a shout out and love to Carter Dennis. Of course, Carter Dennis is rad. Yes. Um, He just did an edit recently. It was rad. Anyway, uh, the whole thing about that is that Per my investigative reporter in the Bay Area of California, he says that the the the, the hotel was uh, damaged. That was all fucked up. Whoever was running the event with the with the skate park or somebody affiliated with taking care of their sponsors in Continental Airlines and Pepsi and all that stuff, 
threw them out, got through out of the hotels. They were done with the hotels or whatever. Um, remember, that was the trials. The next day was the finals. And I guess some of them came back and judged. It doesn't clarify in the contest. But some of them said, fuck you, and we're done. And the word is, and I don't know, apparently this is in an interview with Salba, and I'm trying to check it out because I love Salba. Much props to him. He loves Texas, so we're not trying to call him out. But possibly... He might have gone into the pro shop being pissed off from getting thrown out, and they took a bunch of stuff. Now, from the pro shop? From, the, from the pro shop, yeah. Where where that went or how much it was or if there was value or whatever, not, that's not either near or us to say, but skateboarders pissed off. Are you You're sure getting thrown out of the contest. You got flown there. You're like, fuck it. I'm taking this shirt or some pads or, I'm you know, fuck you guys. I'm going to throw it away or whatever. Or maybe know. they were just purifying the skate shop of tracker products. Ooh, and saying this shop is only selling indie gear from. Is now it on. time for Tracker to go away? And they want to do any? I don't know. Anyway, conjecture. I'm looking for a charitable interpretation here. Conjecture, but apparently the story goes is they all got kicked out, and they said, "Fuck you, contest." Before the fuck you were from Texas, they said, whatever contest, we're thrown out because we were being a holes and destroying shit that we didn't have to pay for. We're gonna go skate the ammo pipe. And then they took off. and Because that was that's when, only like a 20-minute drive from San Antonio, right? Well, here's the thing that apparently, <laughs> yeah, right. Apparently, there's an article that I cannot find in Skateboarder Magazine because they don't digitize all the pages. Some of them, they just digitize the covers. Right. And But apparently, one of the episodes that talks about pipes, pre-Thrasher episode um, or issue, is... This event, when because if you're in Calif- if you're in California, you're in Texas, and you're going to go back to California, and you got a pipe to skate, they're going to go hit it. And so apparently, ruckus happened. They got kicked out. Some stuff may or may not got stolen from the the pro shop. Fuck you, we're going to skate the ammo pipe, and then that was in an article somewhere I can't find yet. Okay. So that's good shit. Well, I do know in 1978 that they there was a crew from California that went and hit the ammo pipe. Including yes. Salba, I think Dwayne and Tony Alpha were both on that run as well. I think Blackheart was definitely there. So yeah, it could be that crew. Could have been that crew. Although I don't think Alva was mentioned in anywhere in this article, so I'm not sure that may have been the same event. I've just but- seen the photos because there was a photo that I remember pretty well of Dwayne from the ammo pipe bombing down the spillway to the water below, mm-hmm. and from the photo you like. You can tell, oh, you're going to be doing 40 miles an hour when you get to the bottom, and there's nowhere to bail out. Like You're you're either just going to fall down and slide it out and wipe out, or you're going into the water. Right. And I'm like, what was... like? That, it just looked crazy to me. And, you know, they're doing crazy shit back then. Also, note is, I think that Salba has a relative, an aunt, an uncle, a grandma, something like that in Texas. So Salba might have a closer Texas tie than we know. Because again, and I've heard some of the interviews, he's, I mean, they were seeking out pipes and he was talking about in the early days, already recognizing, like you mentioned, if you go to a lake structure and there's a Coke bottle and then there's a, you know, a big, what do you call it? The overflow. The overflow and all that stuff. That's what it is. And he kind of mentioned briefly that he was already starting to think and he knew that Texas had that near and stuff. He also, Rainey mentions, um, and you know this name and mentioned that his contact in and what is believed to be the very first person to ever skate that pipe or first crew to skate that pipe, that pipe being ammo, site one, Garrison, 
Garrison Park. Yeah, Garrison Parge. Yeah. Parge. Parge yeah. Park? Parge. Parge from Amarillo area. From the Amarillo area, yeah. And I'm not sure his age, but he's up in that 50s, probably 60s age with all these guys. And yeah. he was the one that took him in, one that knew about it and connected. So interesting. Hopefully we'll find a little bit more of how those connections happen with Salva. And maybe he can, you know, speak upon his uh, actions at that event in San Antonio. That'd yeah, maybe. Maybe yeah. we'll get him on. I don't know. We'll try. He's not a Texas guy, but he's got some Texas stuff. So we'll see. A lot more important Texas guys to get to first, but, you know, that sure. would be cool also. Um, so let's dig into finishing off this San Antonio and talk about some of the placings and some of the interesting names that are brought out there that we've alluded to. Again, we've mentioned Stuart Singer, who dominated the category of 13 to 15. They mention his style as flowing and never making mistakes. And of course, he did well. Uh, he dominated the 13 to 15 category. Um, and he was Stuart Singer best overall, which is pretty cool. Stuart yeah. Singer was the best in the third. So he was 15 or younger, 13, 15, the best overall skater in the entire competition of all ages, um, representing Donnell, Donnell distribution out of the Dallas, Texas area. Also, we think he might have had the first pro model pre-Johnny. We'll find that out for sure. So, Stuart Singer uh, was one of those names. Then you get into the 19 and over. They called that the senior division. <laughs> it would have been back then. The senior division, as in seniors in high school, right? Yes. Um, and a name who I just left a message for to get because he lives in Austin, Texas, named Mark Wheelis. Mark Wheelis is mentioned quite a bit in some of those uh, competition. Mark Wheelis was the second overall after Stuart Singer. Uh -huh. So Stuart Singer in Dallas. Um, uh, Mark Wheelis uh, from the Austin area was second overall. Uh, we also had names of Bobby Morrow, who I've heard that name, but I'm not sure if I know him, um, with great transition moves. Tim Litzman who is out of the Galveston area and somebody who is supposed to be coming into Austin to interview us with us relatively soon, which would be cool. And then of course I already mentioned Stuart Singer, um, but that Mark Wheelis guy, Mark, if you're listening, they quoted and said, that guy is hot. And I think when they said that, they're like, not hot, like buff, hot. Like no. he was hot. Hot, he was back, hot. hot back then. Hot man. dog. He, skilled. He was, he was the hot dog. He was skilled. Um, and so I'm pulling up uh, just to get a couple of things because we found through some of the names. There's a lot of different uh, cities that are Dallas, Houston, Austin, Garland, Winter, Te a skater from Winter, Texas got a third place. Todd Terrell. I didn't think there was any winter in Texas. There's no winter in Texas. Bobby Morrow in Galveston. Uh, Mike Souther from Houston. Don't know who that guy is. Uh, there was definitely some uh, rad uh, females. There was the Bank to Slalom as I scoot through this list. Um, and a lot of couple of names, a lot of fun names. 16 to 18 year old um, Hubert Plummer, mm -hmm. which was a buddy of mine uh, that lives in Colorado now out of Houston. He got third place in that division. And then we get into the bank and the half pipe, and we alluded to this in another episode. In the six to nine years old, 
out of Houston, Texas, getting first place, baby David Donaldson. Well, Davey Donaldson. Davey Donaldson. It says David Donaldson. Uh, Kevin Cameron from Carrollton, and then John Hemperley from Austin, which I've heard that name, but I don't know who that guy is. Um, we continue on in the 15, 13 to 15 Stuart Singer, once again, uh, getting first place in the 13, 15 year old. And who did he beat? In th- Well, he beat Brian Abel, which I've also heard that name out of Dallas. And in third place, Johnny Gibson. How about that? Johnny Gibson. So already getting bested by somebody in Dallas out of Houston as we start to get into these whole Texas. Everybody loves each other. But before these they're Texas, even like, city old enough to drive. Yeah, before they're old enough to drive. In the 16 to 18-year-olds, Chris, Chris Winberry from San Antonio, Tom Smith, and Kerry Olson, all from San Antonio. So all first top three placing 16, 18-year-olds. San Antonio had it going on. We got a lot of stuff to talk about in San Antonio. 19 over, the senior division, Mark Wheelis. Bobby Morrow out of Galveston, and Ray Robinette out of Irving. And then the girls' open was Tracy Wilkerson, Sally Stout, and Vonda McVeigh out of San Antonio. So there's some names throwing some But wasn't there a a young teenage... Oh, yes! Jeff Phillips in that same group? He must not have... Okay, so that's in the bank. That was the pipe that I just mentioned. Jeff... Jeff, in 1978, was not a placing in the pipe, but in the bank and bowl, Mm -hmm. which is obviously a different combination than the half pipe, um, the bank and bowl in the 13 to 15-year-old, Stuart Singer, first place, John Gibson, second place, Jeff Phillips, third place. They also mentioned John Gibson, Dallas, but that's not true. He's from Houston. Right, but he might have been writing for Danelle or somebody. Uh, um, ooh, I don't know if he was writing for him or not. We'll have to ask. It doesn't say anything Might have been whoever like entered him in the contest was Dallas, and and they just wrote that down. It Who doesn't knows? say that. Now, again, and this kind of leads into, as we're winding down, this kind of leads into something, and that is that um, the team's thing, and Stuart Singer with being the best overall and Donnell Distribution was best overall, but they actually only placed fifth in the team standings. So the overall team standings, Donnell Distribution was fifth. Um, but that was very cool that that they really focused on Texas. It was the first big Texas championship. A lot of big names that we're mentioning, and hopefully people were going to get to on some interviews, um, including Stuart Singer, Tim Litzman, Mark Wheelis, Donnell from Donnell Distribution, all good stuff. So that kind of uh, really starts to wind down that that contest. Like I've mentioned before, Stuart Singer and Mark Wheelis, first and second overall. Um, and what a crazy event, including the whole ruckus with the hotel. And, you know, maybe, maybe, I don't know about these California events, maybe also another point of contention is this is where the – Punk, skate punk, fuck you, get your delinquents came up. Maybe this is also where some of that flack started. Thank you, California, for making us look bad. (laughs) Well, I just think that this was kind of a sea change in in pop culture at the time, and that's when the the whole punk rock thing was starting to hit nationwide. Because, you know, you go forward two years, and skateboarders were at any contest or session you were hearing hardcore punk being played 
at this point in the mid seventies, it was all Ted Nugent, Led Zeppelin, this brand new band called Van Halen. Van Halen, right? Yeah. Uh, but it was triumph. It was just you know hard seventies rock, right? Um, and and you know punk hit, and overnight people cut their long hair off. They cut their hair short, and things started looking different. And uh, this is all happening at the same time. Right. So I think this is kind of a pivotal moment where it would have definitely influenced people. Then I'm going to claim yet another pivotal moment along with my Mongo reference and the whole thing about Texas uh, taking that contest and taking the throwing chairs out and being raucous and partying. Uh, that was kind of their their um, introduction into being that. And then maybe this whole thing that we just mentioned about California coming in and then skateboarders being like skate punks you know you've got the good guys trying to promote the sport and you got a bunch of fucking skateboarders scratching shit and doing all that maybe that was a key turning point and again you know maybe he just saw somebody outside who needed a seat you know that's true that's true hackett or uh Blackheart. uh, blackheart one of those two were in a hotel room and a lonely person down there that wasn't drinking beer and looked lonely needed a chair. So they figured the easiest way to get it was throw it out a window. Yeah, and maybe toss a beer down to him. Yeah, and not pay for it and get kicked out. <laughs> Fuckers, we love you. <laughs> Fucking skateboarders. I can it. just relate to being on both sides of this equation. So Right. So it, uh, last thing on this cool, if you go through and you look at either our Won't Shut Up and Skate Texas Archives page, these are uh, each page of this article is in there so you can pull it up and read it and magnify it and all that kind of stuff. And you kind of can go through the article um, and look at some of the advertisements and some of the other cool stuff going on. And it has all the listings. It, it's it's when the magazines, and I think Crasher did this early on, but it's when the last few pages of the magazines were the listing of skate parks or skate shops where they would yes. list them yes. out and you could like, you know, either map them out or go to them when you're in town or whatever the case is. But um, in this um, uh, National Skateboard Review, December of 1978 issue that we've been talking about, the San Antonio Skate Slopes competition. They also had something called the Hazard Report. The Hazard Report. The Hazard Report. And an editor's note on the Hazard Report is is following up on the continuation of the U.S. Consumer product safety commission's hazard report on skateboarding so at that point in 78 we already have the u.s consumer product safety commission all up in our ass on skateboarding and telling us what was hazardous about it um uh and they talk about how they were covered it at their last meeting and um due to the lack of space in the previous issue in the human factors analysis section um, they couldn't complete it, so they bring this hazard report to you, um, and it says, you may see why governments, local and federal, don't make the distinction between street and skateboard park riding. Let me read that again, because that's a bad sentence. I'm reading this straight up. You may see why governments, local and federal, don't make the distinction between street and and skate park riding. Well, that's stupid. There's a massive <laughs> difference. This was 1978. Yes. Well, thank God the time goes. They in didn't one want to deal with all the inosecrious. They wanted to mash us all into one ball. We're skateboarders. You fuck shit up. You're crazy. You break shit. Yes. We all got lumped into these lumpy lumps. I'm that we interested didn't need to, be. to hear what they determined the number one oh. hazard 
to skateboarders is. Well, I'm glad that you did that. So I'll go in reverse order uh, so that you don't have it. But in this hazard report that's yes. in the National Skateboard Review, uh, 78, December 78, the title is Analysis by Hazard Pant Pattern. Okay. So first off, Analysis by Hazard Pattern. So they're already clarifying skateboarding as a hazard. Or well, they're showing maybe it's not a hazard, what the hazards to skateboarders are. Scar, but so it's let's, just let's hear it. what they list. Uh, it is the distribution of injuries by hazard pattern. Okay. By hazard pattern. So at the bottom, since I have to go in reverse order, we have things like coming in at number ten. Board broke or cracked. I suppose that's there's no hazard. percentage on that one. Okay. There's no percentage for the first couple of these. There's no percentage. Um, <laughs> speaking of Jimmy and his clay wheels, the wheel came off. Yeah, a wheel came. Off. Okay. So, so apparently a wheel came off has zero percent, no percent of part of the hazard. Okay, maybe wheels weren't coming off. Uh-huh. Till the wheels let's keep fall going. Off. Collision with a motor vehicle. <laughs> See, that's number one. In- it's not, but that's what it says. And you know where <laughs> there is zero percent chance? Well. Never say zero, but extremely low percent chance of collision with a motor vehicle. Where's that? Inside a skateboard park. That's true. That's true. So you cannot die if the you ride skateboard parks. The number one hazard that kills skateboarders and sends them to the hospital with life-threatening injuries is collisions with motor vehicles. It's not falling off your skateboard. Well. It's getting hit by a car. You're probably That's correct. That's why statistically but- it's far safer for a skateboarder to be in a skateboard park even if they're doing crazy stuff in a 10-foot deep bowl, that is statistically safer than doing simple tricks in the middle of the street where cars are. It's also significantly safer than uh, two 300-pound human beings barging into each other for over an hour, like football and stuff yes, like that. Yes, yes. But uh, anyway, so let me move on. So collision with a motor vehicle. The next one is collision with other than a motor vehicle. <laughs> Does so I assume mean, motorcycles or I don't know. Well, I would think they mean a stationary object. Again, these are all the bottom of the list. Okay, so we're getting keep there. Going, keep going. Um, other skateboard failure. Okay. So something That's, else. I don't know. Well, Maybe it's a rock or something. I don't know. Road onto a soft surface. Okay. Um, oh, actually, let me go back up. Board stop. 1%. 1% out of 100 is your board stop suddenly. <laughs> You hit a rock. Well, okay. How do they clarify board stop suddenly? Is it run into a wall? Is it a rock? You, is it is it it stopped operating? The bearings froze. The bearings came out. Yeah. But I'd like to see what that one percent is. What was that? Pitched. Okay. That's crazy. Well, keep going. I want to hear what's higher. Uh, rode into a soft surface. Okay. So like you're on the crete and you go into the grass. Yes. I'm guessing. So that's or two, you hit a sandy patch going through. That's two percent. You struck an article, obstacle, excuse me, you struck, struck an obstacle. Okay, you ran into a mailbox. But striking obstacles is kind of part of the point of skateboarding? Depends kind of. on if it was on purpose or not. Well, in your skate park, they don't say, they don't clarify. The only thing they clarified is street and skate park writing. That's all they say is there's, they don't make a distinction between it. So this right. could be a combination of street anything. writing. Keep all going. Right. All right, keep going. Um, 2% is struck by an obstacle. So a, <laughs> an anvil a, fell out of the an sky. An anvil, a, 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 you're riding on the sidewalk and the piano drops. 
uh, a bird hits you, um, you know. Or I've seen that video. Bird gets in the way. Are you talking about the one that hits Fabio on the roller coaster? No, the bird. That That's was, a fantastic video. The bird that was chasing the kid down the oh. street on a scooter. <laughs> we should train birds to do. Wait, we should train birds to chase kids on scooters. Yeah, I mean, crows are smart. We can train them. Can somebody update us on their training schedule? I want to hear more of this hazard okay. list. All right. Uh, the next one was four. Oh shit. I know exactly what you're going to say about this one. Exactly. Uh, well, no, maybe not. Okay. Uh, fell white, 4% fell white while turning fell while turning. Let's call that the tracker statistic. (laughs) (laughs) Or the bowl of cones statistic. It's not bowl of cones yet, but that's the, I I mean, because I couldn't turn. Were you riding trackers? Yes. (laughs) I mean, I fell while turning, while attempting to turn at uh, Bolo Cones last yeah, week. Yeah, so. you skinned your knee and you messed up your best pants. I'm sorry, buddy. You got mad at me and yelled at my girlfriend. Not best. Favorite. Okay. Okay. I didn't yell Favorite. at anybody. Yeah, you were yelling. Okay. Um, okay. Now we're moving Sir. up. Uh, that was, uh, uh, oh, jumped from the board. It's 5%. Jumped from the board. As opposed to. So you hurt yourself because you jumped. So that you're bailed. going too fast and you bailed or, well, they say jump. Jump seems like something you plan on doing versus. Remember, this was in the era bailing. of barrel jumping. So my, maybe Ooh, it was that too. That could be correct. You're trying to beat that Tony Alva world record of 17 barrels. Yeah. So that was, now we're getting into the big percentages at 9%. 9% is a big percentage. <laughs> Holy shit. Board slipped out from under a victim. <laughs> from under a victim as opposed to under a rider. 9% okay. of the time. Hey, how'd you get hurt by the skateboard? How'd you get hurt? I was riding my skateboard. How'd that happen? The board slipped out from under a victim. So wait a minute. Let's break this down. The victim is the one that got... So you're riding it and it slipped out from under you. I guess that's what that is. I suppose. You just, it slipped out. It's. <laughs> That's some stupid shit. Okay. Getting that, into that's when you let the mayor stand on a skateboard <laughs> for a photo op and the board slipped out from under who is now the victim. Exactly. Correct. Uh, now we're getting into the teens at 13%. Uh, the reason that you get hurt on your skateboarding in parks or street at 13%, it says other being pushed, tripped over your board or et cetera. Okay. So you're on your board and somebody pushes you or somebody trips you. Okay. Maybe that could fall under the rock category also, mm, or you fell over somebody. Objects. I don't know, but that was 13%. At 16. Would that cover if you step on somebody's tail right as they go to drop in? <laughs> that fucks some people up. Oh, yeah. I've seen that. That's so mean. <laughs> It is I, so mean. I used to like when uh, somebody would come to drop in, they'd put their tail on the vert ramp and they put their tail down and then I would lean down behind them and I'd stick my hand between their legs out where they could see it before <laughs> they put their foot on the board and they're like, what's up like this? <laughs> well, okay. You know, skateboarders are assholes. Um, 13% other being pushed. Okay. All right. Top three. Top three hazard report and distinction of why you get hurt by the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission. Number three, slipped off the board. (laughs) (laughs) 
How is that not covered in all the other things already? Good God. Maybe that was because the grip tape was just like a little thin one-inch strip down no, the man, middle of the board maybe. because they didn't have full-on grip tape at that and point. They didn't have concave know. yet either. So they didn't have it yet. Right. Okay, then we jump up from 16% to 26%. These last two are 26% and 32%. Is one of them jacks in the bowl? No, there's no jacks. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> threw jacks in the bowl right before you roll in. You're like, pick them up. One, two, three, bounce, pick them up. Okay. Uh, the second is pretty... It's not anything exciting. Lost balance. How is that different from fell off the board? <laughs> I don't know. That slipped off the board. How is How that different s- from lost balance? <laughs> How do you slip off the board? Okay. And I get that's the grip tape okay. thing. Lost balance. I guess that's just like, you know, you did a maneuver and your heel was way and your toes were hanging off and you're fell all. Fell while turning. <laughs> tracker. That's the tracker. But it, it, it slipped, fell off the board. Lost balance. Okay. And at 32%, the number one hazard report reason by the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission uh, between uh, skate parks and street and how you got hurt on your skateboard (laughs) struck irregularly in a riding surface. (laughs) So you hit a crack in the sidewalk, basically. Struck irregular. Struck. If somebody says struck, that means that like somebody's swinging a baseball bat at you or a stick. No, right? you could have run into something. A flying bird. There's Say that it again. Bird. Struck an irregularity in the writing surface. Struck irregularity. <laughs> irregularity. Irregularity in the writing surface. Yeah, that means a crack a in the crack. sidewalk or somebody didn't bondo the crack at the top of the stair set or the the coping. You know, the, the tile was falling off in the bowl and you hit a weird patch. There was cancer in the pool and you hit a weird patch. That's irregularity in the writing surface. <laughs> That's all bogus. The number one hazard to skateboarders is motor vehicles. End is, of story. Okay. Uh, we'll go with that. Um, <laughs> that's funny. Anyway, hazard report from the 1978. hazard to skateboarders is skateboarders. That is true. Other skateboarders. That is very true. Um, so as we wind down, just a couple more things to talk about, really. I don't know how long we've gone. It's been an hour and change, hour and a half. We're, yes. What? we got to go. Oh, John's got to go, so we got to wind this down. Yeah. So again, like, share, subscribe. If you want to send us some funds, uh, Venmo at won'tshutupandskate.com. If you want to send us an email, and please send us an email. Send events going on. Send us in advance so we can get it on episode before it airs. Uh, won't shut up and skate at gmail.com. Follow our uh, Won't Shut Up and Skate Facebook page, our Instagram, our archives page. Follow, share, like, follow, share, like, and all that good stuff. Um, and as we wind this down, as we always do, we wanted to, not always, but I wanted to spend a couple minutes on a in memoriam because we're trying to do this and go through some of those skaters that influenced us heavily and were in Texas and are no longer here. And this name came up, I think, in memories. Every time he comes up in my memories, I send a note uh, that goes to his page just saying, hey, man, skateboarding is really cool. We wish you were here and all that. And that gentleman's name is Clay Towery. Yep. Clay Towery out of the Austin, Texas area, a very 
bubbly, fun personality. He's probably one of the guys that I learned more about heckling skaters loudly while they're skating and the reverie that goes on with that than anyone. He also was an improv comic. Uh, he did his clown. I forget the name. Something the clown. Wasn't it like Uncle Cuddles or Uncle something? Uncle Cuddles the clown. Something yeah. like that. And he would dress up at uh, uh, roller derby events. He was horribly inappropriate. He was horribly it inappropriate. Was glorious. And he would party. And then he was also, in his later years before he passed on, uh, was an EMT. Yes, uh, a dad. He, he has a great. He was. Kid. He was uh, on the Olympic EMT squad. He was going to be in the the next Olympic event that was happening, but he got to go to some of the trials before he had that untimely heart attack. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Clay was an amazing person. Such a nice guy. Um, one of his best heckles on me was we both started doing slalom. Uh, Lou got. Uh, Mike Neiman into it and it was Lou and Bosco that kind of mm-hmm. convinced me to come try it out and Clay was starting to get into it and uh, the first thing that I went to was a local um, you know mini race that was sort of a prelim for the Texas Cold Fusion Sizzler coming up. The Twister? or I don't even know if it had a name but it was just a little event that we were doing but they had some actual prizes there and uh, that was the first time I'd tried it and uh, Big Ryan Smith it was the first time he had tried it and we this was bu- in the Gnarly Hill off of Jester Estates no 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 this oh, is no, way was, before that oh, before that this okay. is this is like a, a year or two before that at least um, and we uh, we both got some uh, prizes given to us for being like best newcomers me and Ryan did um, oh right, yeah, yeah. Ryan ran with it and got super good at slalom. I was just having fun, but Clay kept uh, challenging me and saying like, "We should make a bet on who's going to win." I was like, I, "I don't like to do bets," but he got it in his head that somehow I had agreed to a bet that um, the whoever got the better time out of the two of us, the other one would get the the other guy's initials tattooed on him somewhere. So <laughs> he hounded me for a year after that saying, when you get in that CT tattoo put on you and <laughs> like he was Gallery. like, yeah. And he was like, you know, it's not a big deal. Cause you can always just put a little hook on the end of that T and make it a CJ and it's your own initials. And I was like, <laughs> Clay, I never, I never agreed to this. I never shook hands. You, you just made this all up in your own head. Are you sure we even had this conversation? I, I might owe that guy a, a tattoo at, at some point because, uh, you know, that he did beat me by like a quarter second. We did a head-to-head, you know, double lanes, and he beat me by a quarter second. Fucker. He was a <laughs> super jolly dude. Uh, he was awesome. He was uh, clowning. He always was skating the bowls and pools and always into the old bass drops and everything that was more pool related as much as, you know, any kind of skating. But he was definitely a jokester and a fun dude, and we miss him a lot. And one of the memories I have of his memorial is that when they had his funeral service, it was at a relatively large church memorial center, and it was standing room only, people out the doors. And because he had skaters, improvist, and other family people out there, it was one of those where you can't stop laughing between the tears. You're crying because of all the the love, and you see your friends, and it's good to see people, and da-da-da. But people are telling jokes that are gut-busting, dirty, raunchy, funny, and he would have had it no other way. So, um, Clay Towery, a big shout-out in our in-memoriam for this episode. 
He was very important to the uh, Central Texas scene. I don't know all the details of where he was actually from, but he was definitely somebody that was a big important part, and we want to give a shout-out to him and uh, uh, all of that. So Clay Towery, in memoriam, care of uh, Won't Shut Up and Skate. So we're tying it down. We thank you for coming out or listening, not coming out, but listening. And uh, I guess as uh, Carjack's still writing some notes, we're trying to get better at this. We went a little long-winded again because we got a lot of shit to say, which is why we're trying to do this every two weeks. And with that, Carjack, what you got? Hey, Chip. How many skateboarders does it take to change a light bulb? I don't know, Carjack. How many skateboarders does it take to change a light bulb? Ten. One to change the light bulb, nine others to talk about how much cooler the old light bulb used to be back in the day, man. Back in the day. Thank you for listening to Won't Shut Up and Skate uh, podcast, Texas history and all things related to Texas. Thank you to our sponsors our sh- and shout outs to everybody. We give shout outs. We love you and we will be back with even more coming up soon. Thank you. Yeah. The future's up to you.